All right, well, we're kicking off a new series this morning called Run Hard, Rest Well. Run Hard, Rest Well. And in February, I had the opportunity to be speaking at a seminar up in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And while I was speaking there, one of the other speakers was a gal from this organization called Run Hard, Rest Well. We, uh, the, we weren't planning on stealing the name, but it kind of works well with this series, so we kind of did. But I want to give credit to them because um, I've, I was very convicted by the message that she spoke about when she was uh, speaking as well. And so we were both speaking about what it, the importance as a leader, taking care of yourself. We were speaking to young leaders, and we were talking about what it takes to be able to take care of yourselves. Um, and so she represented this company, Run Hard, Rest Well. Well, on your seat, there is a little uh, piece of paper there. It's a six-question uh, test or quiz, shall we say. Um, she gave it that night. I was highly convicted that night. Um, still am. I'm still working on it. This was back in February. I've been working on this ever since. Actually, it's a story of my life. Um, but take the questions. Those of you online, you, there's a link right there. You can take it online as well. It's sim- pretty simple. If you don't have a pen, it's only six questions. You'll probably remember how many you scored. All right, so you can take it. The score's on the back. You can read about it yourself. Uh, but I do want you to just um, have that for you. You can take it now or later. Depends on how boring I get. You can take it whenever. Uh, but when I took the quiz, and I still take the quiz, even before I preach this sermon, I still score below a four every single time I take this thing. Now, Compared to where I was 13 years ago, I've gotten much better at learning to rest, but I'm still highly convicted about the manner in which I live my life and the pace at which I live my life. Um, Now, I don't stand here condemned, and I don't ever, don't use any of the words I'm going to share today in any way to condemn you, because if I were to do that, I'd be condemning myself. If God convicts you, then take it as a conviction from the Holy Spirit. Do not take it from me as any words of condemnation, because I stand as the, probably one of the most convicted in here. So when Matt asked me to preach on this series, I was like, ah, oh, crap. <sighs> I'm horrible at resting. This is just not my specialty. So I don't normally do devotions based upon what I'm going to be preaching on, but I actually chose to do it this time. Um, and actually this uh, gal that was speaking that day, uh, they, the organization puts out this book, it's called Vantage Point. I'm like, I'm going to read about it. And so I've, I've done, for the last two months, every devotional I can get my hands on, on resting. I've studied, I've done all kinds of my own personal Bible studies as well, just to figure out, okay, how far off am I really? Like, am I really that bad at resting? And so did that series. I'd encourage it, Vantage Point, from the rest, runhardrestwell.org. Um, but I don't normally do that. But because of the fact I know that I struggle with this, I knew I needed to do a little extra studying on this. So that's what I did. So as I share this morning, there's a little bit of the information I'm going to share with you in here. Trust me, I'm not even scratching the surface of that book, so you can get it and really glean a lot from it yourself. But I wanted to recognize this ministry because they do a really good job of helping people that may not necessarily rest well. And we live in a stressed-out society. And we live in a society that does not rest well. We live in a society that is not at peace within themselves or with others. And so I really, I really hope that this message today speaks to our hearts because it's, it's been speaking to mine um, as I've been preparing for it. But this isn't something new to me. For the last 13 years, I've been working on this idea of learning to rest. I had a mentor when I was a senior pastor up in Michigan. His name is Terry Prisk. Um, and uh, he shared with me at one point in time in our, in our relationship, this was 13 years ago, um, he shared with me, uh, what do you do for rest? What are the rhythms in your life? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. 
Um, and he said, you need to have, you're going to burn yourself out. If you don't create something in your life, in ministry, you're going to burn yourself out. And he, so he suggested this three-step plan, all right? So the three disciplines, these three rhythms of life that he suggested to me 13 years ago are divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. I've diverted daily for years. That's not been one of my problems. I remember ever since I was in grade school, I've been doing daily devotions. I mean, all my friends thought I was weird then. Uh, many of my friends still think I'm weird today, but that doesn't matter. It started from a very long time ago. But I've been doing devotions for a really long time. Probably been my saving grace. Um, I love to spend time with Jesus. And for those of my little preschoolers in here that may or may not be listening, there's a little word on your sheet of paper right there, all right? So, Jesus. Remember Jesus. All right, so, uh, they have little worksheets that they're doing, so I have my words highlighted in red to make sure I say them. All right, so, uh, but I've never struggled with spending that daily time with Jesus. Some people really do struggle with that. That's not been mine, thankfully. I struggle with the other two. So then when he went on, he talked about withdrawing weekly. That's that idea of taking the Sabbath. And I've struggled with it my entire career, my entire life. Uh, we're going to share a lot more about it today because it's answering the question, what does taking a Sabbath really mean? What does that, what does that mean in the 21st century? What does that mean to, in our day and age? Has God changed? Did he change from what he ordained 10,000 years ago when he created the world or whatever your belief is on that? Um, we're going to be addressing what that looks like today, okay? And abandoning annually, Terry asked me, he's like, so do you take vacation? I'm like, yeah. He's like, how long? About a week. He's like, a week? I was like, yeah, about a week. He goes, that's not a long. Well, that's long enough. Not long enough. Why only a week? I said, because. Well, because why? Because. Because why? Because. I don't have a good answer, Terry. He's like, that's your problem. He's like, so then he went on. He said, either you haven't done a good job delegating your responsibilities and tasks, and people are in the ministry is too dependent upon you, or you're trying to control too much, or you haven't managed your finances well enough to be able to take a two-week vacation, that was convicting, or you think you're more needed than you are. Uh, so he was my mentor. He was very direct with me, still very direct with me. I like that about him. I love direct speech. It's, you don't have to wonder what someone's thinking that way. But he was still very direct. And so when I began to think about it, I was like, all right, so how am I supposed to take two weeks vacation? He said, here's the problem, Donnie. If you don't take two weeks vacation, by the first week, you've just responded to your last email, if you've stopped responding to emails at all. By the second week, you're finally just starting to get unplugged, and two days before you go back, your brain's already going to re-engage with everything that's waiting for you back at work. I'm like, yeah, that's true. So I tried, 13 years ago, I started taking two weeks vacation. I just got back off of my two-week abandonment, and here's what I do. I let it go. If it falls apart, then that tells me what I didn't do a very good job of before I left. So... It also makes you work hard at making sure you hire the right people and all that kind of good stuff. And it's been phenomenal. And doggone it, if he wasn't right about how your brain disengages going into about the second week. Now, I get it. I was there. I couldn't afford two weeks, or I said I couldn't. I had to learn to remanage my money. Um, but during that time, it was incredibly important for me to learn how to put that piece into my rest and rhythm cycle. But then I began to live for my escapes, right? I began to live for those moments instead of doing withdrawing weekly, right? So it's still, I'm two into the three, but I still struggle with that or that diverting or withdrawing weekly. It's an unhealthy rhythm. Healthier, but still unhealthy. So when we look at the scriptures, God was very direct about what he said about the Sabbath. 
If you haven't read them, then go back and read it. He was pretty clear about what he believed about the, the Sabbath. Some, and I have friends, that still adhere very diligently to the, the almost pharisaical rules that are established around this idea of keeping the Sabbath. God put the Sabbath rest in the Ten Commandments. God even modeled the, the Sabbath rest in the creative story of Genesis, his creation of mankind. He rested. Did God really need rest? The Bible, another red word, another red word, Bible, Bible, uh, talks about how he modeled rest for us uh, in the creative genius that he put forth while he was creating the universe. God didn't need rest. So we have to begin to think, okay, what did what is it about, what was God doing when he did that, all right? So we're going to go back to the scriptures, and we're going to take a look at this, because this is, this is what I've been studying for the last two months, to really figure out, okay, is it really just about Sabbath and rules, or what's, what was God really doing in this? So Genesis 1:31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Everything he did in the creation was good, all right? There was no corruption, no death, no nothing. Nothing was bad in the creation of God. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Keep going. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished, say it with me, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his... Oh, so he rested from his work. Work was not the curse. Sweat was the curse. Thorns were the curse. We were created to do work. That's why if you ever wonder, why do I love work so much? Because you were created to love work. We love work. I love work. God helped the world if I didn't have work. All right? Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Holy means to be set apart. He set apart a day because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. He rested from all the work that he had done. Remember that word rest, all right? It's going to keep coming up. So jumping over to Exodus 20, verses 8 through 9, now we get into the Ten Commandments. So that was a creation. So from the beginning of time, God modeled this idea of, of a day set apart. Then he said, remember the Sabbath day, all right? Remember the Sabbath day that I took a day off when I created the world? Remember, remember that, guys? Remember that. Remember to keep it holy. Remember to keep a day set apart for this idea. You are to labor six days. So running hard is not the issue, folks. God tells us to work hard, right? That's, that, that's a different message, but the, the assumption is that we are running hard. If you're not running hard, if you're not working hard, then go to work for six days, right? Do your work in six days, but if you can't get it done in six days, then maybe you're working too hard. And do all your work. Keep going. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain. Oh, wait, no, that was, go back. Sorry, I thought I had the other verse after that. Do your work and get all of it done in those seven days. That was part, or six days, that was part of the Ten Commandments. All right, that was Old Testament. There's still a lot of Old Testament literature and, and laws and things that we could read about what the Sabbath looked like. But then we jump to the New Testament. Then we jump to Christ's life. And then we jump to God incarnate coming to live with us as humanity. And let's see what Jesus does on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way picking some heads of grain. Keep going. The Pharisee said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Huh. He said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him 
and what they did when he was in need and they were hungry, that's Old Testament law. Keep going. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful, not lawful, for anyone to eat except the priest. So it was beyond not lawful. I mean, that was, that was one of the greatest uh, breakings of the command that you could possibly do. And then he even gave it to the command, his companions, which were soldiers. Right? They had blood on their hands. You couldn't have been more unclean than these soldiers coming in there eating the bread. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Oh man, I love that. We gotta, these were Jesus' words when he was being accosted for why was he breaking the Sabbath? So if the, we have to ask ourselves, okay, and I get it, it's a little bit confusing. Why then is there confusion if this is what is so important? If God really set it apart as holy, why was he himself breaking it? So the idea of a Sabbath has divided the church for years, right? You can, you can study it, you can study church history. This can be a confusing thought, I get it. But what is the point of the Sabbath? What was, what's the main teaching that God modeled for us when he took a Sabbath? Right? I can give you several areas where Christ broke the laws of the Sabbath, but it wasn't that he necessarily broke the Sabbath. Why? Because he was Lord of the Sabbath. He can't break himself, right? If it was just about keeping the laws of the Sabbath, then we're missing the point of the Sabbath. If it's just about the rituals, then we're missing why God put it there. Now, I don't have enough time to go through every passage I've studied in the last two months, right? But I want to challenge you, do the research yourself. You can study words like the Sabbath. You can study the seventh year. You can say, study the day set apart. You can study uh, the year of Jubilee. You can study some of the feasts. You can study uh, even the promised land as part of the rest that was promised. All right? You can study all those things, and they all lead to this idea of the Sabbath. You can even study the seventh year rest that's supposed to be given to crops and fields. So what I want you to take from all those studies is this. From the creation of the universe to the institution of the law of the Old Testament to the incarnation of Jesus Christ himself, all three of those, God has intended for man to experience rest. From the beginning of the universe, from the creation of the universe to the institution of the law to the incarnation of Christ, God has, experienced, has desired man to experience rest. God has intended, God has set aside a day as holy so that man could experience rest. Hmm. So what did God do when he took his Sabbath? He rested. And that's what I want you to take away from here today is the Sabbath is all about rest. What does that rest do? Now, we can fill it full of rituals. We can fill it full of laws. But are we really finding rest? Christ said he is Lord of rest. When he says the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying I am the Lord of rest. I am the God of rest. I am the commander of rest. I am the giver of rest. I am the author of rest. When he is the Lord of it, he is the creator of it. Right? He created it in the seventh day. He is the creator of rest. All right, to man, and then he says, I have given this day, I have set apart a day as holy unto man. Man was given a gift of rest. Rest is a gift given to man. Man, do we look at rest as that? Rest is a holy thing. He alone is the master of it, the author, the giver. So when we think about rest, there's another element that comes along with true rest, and that's peace. 
So when we think about rest, I want to ask you also, are you experiencing his peace? In your midst of rest, because if all you're doing is relaxing, sometimes you're not really experiencing peace. You're just relaxing from a hard day. With God's rest comes peace. So are we at peace within ourselves? Are you finding peace and solitude in the midst of this crazy mixed up world that we live in right now? Are you finding yourself anxious and full of bitterness and hatred towards those who disagree with you? Are you able to find rest and peace in some very tense times right now? Because Christ in his rest promises it. Christ in his Lord of the Sabbath promises peace within your rest. You get mad that Christ doesn't respond to the tyranny of your urgency. Do you get mad that he doesn't take care of it the way that you would take care of it? I love this passage that I'm going to read next. It's out of Mark 1, 33-38. And I want you, as we read this passage, I want, you to begin, I want you to view yourself as we are the townspeople. And we have shown up with, to Christ's door with all of our problems, all of our sicknesses, all of our diseases, all of our frustrations with government, all of our frustrations with our society, with people, and we go to the door. The whole town gathered at the door, all right? The whole town. This is Jesus. This is, this is what's going on right now. Look at what Jesus did. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. That was nice of him. Wasn't that nice of Jesus? He's taking care of it. He also drove out many demons. Uh, he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Keep going. But very early in the morning, because he was tired, that's a lot of work. Very in the, early in the morning, while it was still dark, see, this is why it's not necessarily sleeping, because we sleep when it's dark, but Jesus, he was getting up. While it was still dark, Jesus got up. So rest isn't necessarily sleeping. What did Jesus do? He got up and he left the house. He snuck past all of us. He opened the creaky door going to get away from you. And he left. He left the building. Look at this. And he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We find Jesus doing this all the time. Going to find solitude. Going to... Why did Jesus need to pray? He was God. He modeled all of this for us. Why? Because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is peace. He created peace. Now look at what he did after he went and prayed and got filled back up, right? Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, <laughs> Everyone is looking for you. Jesus, you got to come back. They're pounding on the dude's door. Oh, yeah, we better get back. Jesus replied, well, let's go somewhere else. Ooh, wait a second. That's not the Jesus we preach. He's like, yeah, just leave him there. Let's go to the somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so that I can go preach there also because that's why I've come. You see, we get really mad when Jesus doesn't respond to the tyranny of our urgency. We're pounding on the door. Are you able to find peace? And I, I give you this because are you able to find peace? Are you able to find rest when it's your daughter who's left at the door unhealed? Are you able to find peace and are you able to find rest when it was you standing at the door waiting patiently to be next in line to be touched by the healer, Jesus? Are you able to find rest and peace when you and your loved ones were the ones who were left unhealed? Can you find peace when Jesus doesn't respond the way that you want him to in that moment? See, that's really what Jesus is saying. He's like, 
I will provide peace anywhere you are. But our problem is we're like the crowd. We stay at the door demanding he comes to us instead of us going with him. We demand he spends time with us instead of us spending time with him. Now, while I may not take a weekly Sabbath very well at all, and I will stand as a, I will self-proclaim, if you think I'm saying I do, I would be a hypocrite. I'm telling you, I don't. But what I do know is I know the peace of Christ. And while I may not take a weekly Sabbath very well, I experience the peace of Christ and the rest of Christ exceedingly well. And that's what I pray to God people would experience. Because I do know that part about Jesus. And while the world is is lost its mind, I can sleep at night exceedingly well. Why? Because this isn't my world. I'm a temporary alien in this world. And he promised me it was going to go mad. I don't have to get upset when things don't go my way. Because he promised me things weren't going to go my way. In fact, he just left a whole town full of people who weren't going to like what he was going to do. He didn't go back. So I want us to take something from that. I want us to see that in this idea of studying rest, how do we find rest when things don't go our way? How do we find peace when things aren't going the way we want them to go? And I challenge you with the same question that I love one of the the questions in this booklet was, what is your definition of rest? What is your definition of rest? And I struggled with that. When I read it, I don't know. And I finally, after two months, I, I figured one out. I'll tell it to you in a second. But there is a quote as I was trying to define my uh, definition of rest, there's a quote that Brenda Jenk, the founder of this organization, there's a quote that she said, and I absolutely love it. When I choose to rest, I am participating in what God calls holy. When I choose to rest in Christ, I am participating in what God calls holy. Man, that, that started to change the way I think about this, all right? So now then, what is, what is rest? I can tell you what it's not. That was easier for me to come up with. Rest is not play, all right? Rest is not entertainment, though that is fun and pleasurable. Rest is not the escape that I live for once or twice a year. Rest isn't even laziness, which is what I call it in myself at times, because God forbid that I'd ever become lazy. That was not allowed in my home. Rest isn't just being inactive and doing nothing. Rest isn't just taking a break because it's been a rough day. Those are all elements, those all can be all elements of rest, but they aren't necessarily rest. They might bring relaxation, but they don't even guarantee relaxation. They're just in and of themselves what they are. Now, they can be a part of your rest, but are you doing it intentionally? I'm convinced now more than ever in my own personal walk, in my, in my understanding of what God set apart as that holy day, the Sabbath is a day set apart where Christ rest refreshes my soul. It is a day set apart where Christ refreshes my soul. And it is my responsibility to set apart that day to spend it with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking him to come to me, I'm going to him. He said, come with me and I will give you rest. He didn't say, stay there and I'll come back and give it to you. He said, come with me. Yeah, but we have a whole city to come with me. Yeah, but they were knocking on the... Come with me. Yeah, but they're a little kid. Come with me. I have a plan for them. I have a plan. You just have to trust that my plan is bigger than your understanding. 
And in that moment, when we go with Him, no matter what happens, we can rest and be at peace. Because we spend a day set apart, spending time with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And He clarifies for us what He's doing in our lives. But we get so busy with entertainment and with our pleasurable activities and with those whatever else you want to fill in the blank that we think are there to give us rest and relaxation that we miss the whole point of rest. The whole point of rest. He is the Lord of Sabbath. He didn't do it just so you could relax. He did it so that you could spend time with Him, the author and giver of rest. As the Lord of the Sabbath, He gets to define what is a, what is a part of your daily rest and your weekly rest. He should be the one that defines what that time looks like. And yet we spend so much time trying to tell him how that should look. Spending time with Jesus. This is a way to kind of look at it. Spending time with Jesus is kind of like spending time at the well of life. Go ahead and flip to the next slide. When we think about the well, what does a well do when you're out in the desert? Think about what they experienced in Israel. In that desert and that well Man, that fresh water, what a refreshing gulp of fresh water that is, even when you've been outside working hard. And then that fresh water, man, it's just so satisfying. And Jesus says, I am the well of life. If you drink from my well, you will never thirst again. That rest, when we drink from the well of Christ, we are literally able to be at peace no matter what happens in this world. But if we neglect this day, the day set apart as holy, to spend time with him, we will not experience the true rest of Jesus Christ. As Christ said to the woman at the well, if you drink from me and what I have to give, you will never thirst. It is so imperative that we take time not just to relax, but that we take time to rest. That we take time to allow Jesus to fill our soul, that we take time to allow Jesus to be the one that makes us a complete person. Because of the victory of the cross, because of the victory of the cross, Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one that refreshes our soul. Think about that. Because of what he did, he said that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Because he won on the cross, he now can say, I am the one that refreshes your soul. Because of his work, we now can rest in him, no matter what is going on in our life. Is that possible in your life? I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what your daily life looks like. I don't know what your weekly life looks like. I don't know what your personal time with God looks like. But I know what it can look like. I know what Christ wants to do when we rest. Running low on energy and, and our desire to serve others, that's not a sin. Getting tired, that's not a sin. Growing weary, growing weary isn't a sin. Those are all human. Staying there is where we work ourselves into the sin. Christ says that I will refresh every single one of those areas. In my life as, as being a pastor, I have seen many grow weary. I have seen many give up. I have seen many leave the church. I have seen many give up on Christians. I have seen many give up on ministry. Why? Because they start focusing on Jesus meeting them back at the door instead of walking with Jesus where he takes them. They rely upon what they think should be providing them the energy. Instead of relying upon, I get it, man. Church and people and life and the struggles of life, 
that can be difficult. It can drain you, but Jesus can fill you right back up. Man, we have got to get excited. We've got to get passionate about what it is that Jesus can do in us. If we think that life is just a drag, you haven't met Jesus. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and abundant life. But if we aren't spending time at him, with him at the well, you'll not know what he means. That's why we grow weary, because we're drinking from the well of humanity. And he says, drink from the well of life. Drink from my well, and I will give you rest. Man, we've got to stop demanding. We've got to stop demanding that he comes to us instead of us realizing that he invites us to walk with him. Think about it like that. When you, when you do this idea of rest, are you going to him or are you saying, Jesus, meet me where I'm at? And every time you do that, just think about the townspeople who were left behind. And he said to his disciples, guess who followed him? His disciples did. Let's go. We spend too much time saying, no, come back. Study of the sermon has been really good to me because uh, it's caused me to really think about like what does it really mean to truly rest and what it is that Christ has given me and, and asked me to do. On my Sabbath, it's, it's not that inactivity is bad in my own life. It's not that taking a nap isn't resting. Right? I do enjoy my uh, nap at times uh, if I get one. It's not that engaging in a hobby is wrong. Because that does bring me peace at times. It brings me fun and engagement. But if I'm not doing those because I find enjoyment in that creative work that God has given me, if I'm not doing that to spend time with Christ, to reflect the glory of Christ, if I'm not allowing Him into my relaxation, then all I'm doing is serving myself. Uh, it, I could have the most relaxing Sabbath day ever, but if it doesn't involve Christ, you want to know all it was? It was just a relaxing day. It wasn't a Sabbath at all. I didn't invite him in. I didn't, I didn't spend time at his well at all. I spent a whole lot of time at my well of what makes me happy. What makes Jesus happy? So please hear me on this. Sleep and exercise and relaxation, they're all integrally important in this idea of rest. But they're not what create rest. Jesus creates rest. The idea of rest and restoration was ordained by God. And it was set aside for us by God for our benefit. Matt's going to be sharing more next week about what that looks like. But think about that. Rest and restoration, they were ordained by God from the beginning of time for our benefit. He didn't set up rest in the Sabbath so that we could be killed like the law did. He set it up so man could benefit from it. What is the benefit? That we get to relate with God at a very intimate level. So my challenge to you this morning is this. You need to find your own rhythm. You need to find what that rhythm looks like in your own personal life. What does it look like on a daily existence? What does it look like on a weekly existence? What does it look like on a yearly existence? That's, that's between you and God as you work through this. Has it changed since the beginning of time? I don't know, has it? You answer that question. You come up with what do you believe when God set aside that day? What does that look like in your life? You see, every single one of us in this room and every one of you that are online there and everybody that may be listening to this later, we're all running the race of life. We all have, the sa we all have a life and a race to run, but all of our races look different. All of our speeds are different. All of our engine sizes, if you want to think cars, are different. Some of us may have a four-cylinder, some of us may have an eight, some of us may have the V10, right? We are all created for different purposes. We all have different purposes on this life. You can't, 
You can't make one person think like you and act like you. But we are all, every single one of us in this room, created in the image of God. We were all created and designed for the same fuel, which is rest in Jesus Christ. We all have the same fuel. Doesn't matter where our destination is, doesn't matter what our journey looks like, doesn't matter what the storms of life may be, we are all created with the same fuel, Jesus Christ. That's why if we all just drank from the well of Jesus, we would understand what this rest is, we'd understand what this peace is, and our lives would look dramatically different in the world around us. Why? Because we would be the most whole, we would be the least anxious, we'd be the least argumentative, we'd be the least at war with one another. We would be the least, we would be at peace with God in the world around us. How do we do that? We go to the well. We learn to find rest in Jesus Christ. You see, the scriptures say in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. He doesn't say, I'll give you sleep. He says, I will give you rest. He changes us from the inside. He is the well of life. I will give you what you need. You see, God has given us and equipped us for everything we need to get to the end of wherever our life is. All of us have a different day where we are going to leave this earth. Some of us may be young. Some of us may be old when that day happens, but it's all going to be different for each one of us. There's one of us that gets to define when that is. But God has designed himself to be enough for each one of us to get to that day in a good reflection of his glory. We don't need anybody else but him. And he, it's so imperative that he even set aside a day just so that we could spend time with him on that day. Will we do it? That's the question. You see, as I've been speaking, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, he said when he, he invited the town to come with him, go, I need to go preach, because that's what I'm down here for. Just in the time that I've been preaching, 2,555 people have died without the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 2,555, based upon death rates within the world. Remaining 75% of the world remains ignorant of the love of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you have to become a pastor, but I am saying we better join Jesus on the mission of life. That's what he came to do. If we're his disciples, we go with him where he goes, and he's going to fill us up no matter where it is that we're at. If we don't have the energy to walk with him, it's because we're not spending time with him. Now, I don't, I don't refuel so that I can get up here and, and just enjoy myself. I refuel so that I can walk with Jesus where he goes. So I can find that next appointment wherever Jesus asks me. So that I make sure that I myself am taken care of. So that when those who need Jesus, I can pour myself out. But if we aren't filled up, then you're not going to be worthy or worth anything when someone needs Jesus from you. They might get a really tainted version of you. (laughs) And when they get a tainted version of you, is it what the world really needs? Probably not. So two questions. Are you on the right journey? Do you, do you even serve and live for Jesus Christ? Now, the, there's a different question here I want to ask you so that you can verify what I'm, I'm asking. I, you might be a follower of Christ. You might say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. That's not what I'm asking. So are you asking God to bless what you do or are you asking God to help you be a blessing 
to Him. There's the difference. Are you asking Him to bless you or asking Him to help you bless Him? Make sense? That's the difference. Are you living on mission with Him? Are you asking Him to take all your gifts, talents, and abilities, whether you're a businessman, uh, uh, a nurse, whether you're an uh, elected official, I don't care what you do. Do you take and look at your job as a way to be a blessing to Him and the world around you, or do you just want Him to bless you? That's the difference. Are you living on mission with Him? Are you on the right journey? Because are you at the one way, you're standing at the door waiting for Him to come back, the other way you're going with Him. That's the, that's the imagery that we have to get here. And then the second one is this. While you're walking with Him, it will be laborsome. Why? Because we are told to work six days of the week, right? Will you do the hard work of submitting to the author and Lord of the Sabbath? Will you do the hard work? Because it takes work, trust me. I'm still working on it. Will you do the hard work of submitting to the author and Lord of the Sabbath to set aside a day with Jesus? Will you do what that takes? Will you honestly try and think through, like, what does that mean in the 21st century for me and my family today? That's the question. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you right now, and Lord, First, I ask for forgiveness. God, I know that I have not done this well throughout my life, and so God, I pray that you would just, just help me to continue to understand at a deeper level the amazing rest that you have come to bring to this world, and even to me, not just to the world, but to me. So forgive me for, for failing to look at it as a, as a holy day set apart for that purpose. And God, if there's anybody else out there like that, uh, Lord, I pray that you help us to truly identify and reframe our minds around what does rest really mean? What does it really look like? What is keeping us from resting in you? Help us, God, to, to be able to define what that is so that our lives are a reflection on this world of your glory. God, that's all that we are called to do down here is to be a reflection of you. And so, God, we can't do that well if we're trying to do it out of our own strength. And so, Lord, help us to set aside that time, that time where you fill us back up, where we're, able to, where we're able to truly find rest and peace in the author and giver of life and the author of that Sabbath day. Lord, we just love you. We are so grateful that we get to call you our Lord and Savior. Help us, God, to be a, a reflection of that in the world and in the time that we live in. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.